my whole identity was around like, okay, kind of like, who do I need to be to make this a thing? Cause I don't see myself doing anything else, at least right now. And at that point it was like early twenties. It was like, I've got time to figure out my life. So let me just throw myself into this. And I realized that after a while of doing that, I was like, wait a second. It was just like this pause moment of like, do I actually even want this? Or is this just what everyone else around me has wanted? And this is my community. So I thought I wanted it. You're listening to the Everyday as a Breakthrough podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Hummel. I'm here to invite you into living your most alive and aligned life possible. On this podcast, I'll be holding the mirror for your deepest truths and desires and giving you the permission and the power to not only follow your dreams, but to walk with firm trust in all of who you are and everything that you do. So if you're somebody who's here to live out your life's purpose and you're the kind of person who gets after it no matter what, this show is for you and I hope that you get the absolute most out of listening. Cool. Well, I'm so excited to connect with you to do this podcast episode with you. Katie, I'm so excited that you're here. Um, Katie is a spiritual embodiment and business coach, podcast host, and extreme sports athlete. As a multi-passionate human, her mission is to remind others that all of them, their unique expression and way of life in business is not only allowed, but needed. I love that so much. Um, And you also run a program called Dirt Goddess, which I just love the name. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. When that first came through as like a download, I was like, who me? Like, what? (laughs) I'm supposed to lead this program. And like, I used to cringe at the word goddess. Like there's so many, I was like, no, I'm like the dirt bag, like sleeping in the back of my car. Like the word goddess doesn't resonate. And then through a lot of embodiment work, it ended up being like, whoa, this has a different feeling for me now. And being a woman in the outdoor sports arena feels different than it used to. And so, yeah, we could talk more about that course if it comes up. But I remember being like, me? What? This is the name? Okay. All right. Spirit. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I love that so much and relate to the duality. It took me so long. We'll talk about this, I'm sure, so much throughout the episode. But to be someone, we're both, Katie and I are both, you ski what else do you do as sports what other oh gosh all give me like the main (laughs) we're gonna like align on that and then we'll move I know um yeah I know I'll like we said earlier we're just gonna be like oh me too oh me too so skiing's my main jam and I've been doing that since I was three and Mm -hmm. it turned into a competitive based thing actually later in life I didn't do like a winter sports club um as a kid I probably started actually doing my first rail jam like my senior year of high school and then it turned into park so like slope style rail jams and then that turned into big mountain later on um more like my freshman sophomore year of college and then traveled and did that for like six straight years and threw all of my money and time at it. <laughs> and in the winter, or sorry, in the summer, you're like, okay, well, what do I do now? Cause I'm so used to that. So it was yeah. mountain biking. And then it turned into kiteboarding when I lived in Hood River, cause we both lived in Hood River. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> and there was climbing like 
sprinkled in there and I was a raft guide for a summer. And so there's just like a bunch of things sprinkled in, but I would say skiing's number one, mountain biking is number two and kiteboarding's number three. Dope. I love the kiteboarding. <laughs> that's something <laughs> I've never done. And that's so cool. So skiing, mountain biking, kiteboarding, and then just to align on for anybody listening, I totally relate to that when you pour everything in in the winter when you're doing a winter-based sport summer comes and you're like what the hell do I do and I'm sure we'll talk about this in the episode and for me uh snowboarding well I started skiing when I was two I did start with skiing and then I got really into snowboarding and that was my main thing I live in Southern California now, but it was my main thing for a really long time. And I didn't do it competitively, but I traveled teaching snowboarding. I coached snowboarding in the summers at High Cascade, which is a summer camp for snowboarding for those of you who don't know. And then second to snowboarding, I tried to get into mountain biking way too hardcore for me. I like couldn't get into it. And just as I was getting into it, somebody stole my mountain bike off the back of my car in Santa Cruz. And I had put, like I'd saved up for a year to buy a mountain bike. because it's a really expensive hobby. And then somebody stole it off my car and that was it. But now recently in the past few years, skateboarding has been my main thing. So I love the the crossover and also how we're doing them in totally different ways. And we're both now in this world of mentorship, coaching, which is so awesome. And I want to talk about how we connected because I think it's really funny and great. So we found each other. We've never actually met in person, um, but we found each other through Facebook. And I don't remember like who found you or how it happened. Like, I think you posted a post and it was some, it was like in the stoked coffee shop bathroom or something like oh, that. And I was just like, that's where I was when I was going through the same shit that you had posted about. And I'm like, no way. Like we're probably there at the exact same time going through very similar, like awakening vibes of like, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? Am I really doing this thing? And like the, all of the identity, like who am I with? If I'm not just an outdoor bum, which mm-hmm. I love, then who am I? And, uh, yeah, so I saw you post that and I was just like, no way me too. And then we saw that we have like 50 mutual friends and we're like, wait, okay, we have had, we must have crossed paths and just not known it yet. Cause we was like, yeah, you were in Salt Lake for a while and I was in Hood River and we were both like, yeah, there's too many like points of similar points with too many mutual friends to have not probably been in the same room at least once. Right. Okay. So I posted, (laughs) I posted the post from Hood River and it's so funny I love all the crossover and I remember looking at your mutual friends and usually you're like okay like I know that person or oh that person I know and our mutual friends I was like those were my roommates in college (laughs) like we have mutual friends who go way back in the duality like such different people that I normally see when I connect with other people doing the same work as me. Let's just put it that way. I'm like, whoa, you are in this world. And then you're also in this world. We have to connect. So yeah, I love that. And yeah, so let's just talk. I'd love to hear, we're just going to relate on everything as we go through it. And I think a big theme of this is going to be moving from that place of so strongly identifying with one thing, Mm -hmm. so strongly identifying with one thing and taking so much pride in it 
to transitioning to something you mentioned it as like moving past old stories. And I like to think of it as really connecting to that truth that's always lived inside of us, even though we've connected to this other thing. So I I really want to talk about that transition and I'd love to just hear from you if you want to take the mic for a little bit and talk about what your journey was like with moving into that. Like, when were you in the back of your car and realized that you wanted to do this work? What was, what was that like? Oh man. Yeah. So I, I think most people who end up getting into the kind of work we're in now, it wasn't like the plan, you know, you weren't like a kid being like, I'm going to be a mentor. I'm going to be a spiritual, like it, that would it's, be so weird. <laughs> it'd be weird. Yeah. It's, it's de- like, I don't know a single person who thought that this is what they were going to do. So it definitely finds you. It's kind of like that moment, Harry Potter, where the wand chooses him and you're just like, okay, like, what is this? And I remember there is like a, I rem- in hindsight, I can see how there was a few year like build up into me wondering, like I was competing in free ride competitions and spending all of my time and money. My whole identity was skiing. And in the summer, I was just working my ass off to afford skiing. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and my whole identity was around like, okay, kind of like, who do I need to be to make this a thing? Cause I don't see myself doing anything else, at least right now. And at that point it was like, early twenties. It was like, I've got time to figure out my life. So let me just throw myself into this. And I realized that after a while of doing that, I was like, wait a second. It was just like this pause moment of like, do I actually even want this? Or is this just what everyone else around me has wanted? And this is my community. So I thought I wanted it. And, um, in human design, we can like nerd out that stuff. I'm a reflector. So I'm just like, I think I'm just mirroring back what everybody else once. And I love this community and I love the drive and this is something I want, but I don't know that I actually want to get on the free ride tour. I don't know that I actually want to like be an epic, like ski mountaineer. I don't know if that's actually what I want. And then it was kind of this clash of like, well, <laughs> then what? Cause I've just spent a decade doing this. <laughs> like, um, shit. Like, I don't really know. And I do know, but I don't know. So like you said, like connecting to the truth, that's always there like when I started waking up to even being interested in figuring something else out for myself, I, I feel so connected to like this little speck that has always been there ever since I was a little kid now, but I never knew how to put a finger on that or identify it or say what it really was, but I always knew it was there. And, um, gosh, I think I had just gotten to this point of, all right, I have friends who are filming and all going to Japan or they're making it on the free ride tour. And then I have friends who have, applied their college degree, go figure. And (laughs) they're actually doing something with the thing they spent thousands of dollars and hours on. And I remember just being in this weird limbo place in the middle where I felt unfulfilled by everything and neither spot really felt like it fit for me. And I took like one person's course who it was a girl I knew in college and she had ended up becoming like a mentor. And I was like, I don't even know why I feel called to this. And I don't even think I use that wording. I think that's wording I've (laughs) learned later. I'm like, I don't know what this is talking to me. I feel like I just have to be in it. And I was just like, I am fed up, take my money. There's actually a very, like a very funny kind of like bottom of the barrel moment that finally made me move, like take an action, which Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people resonate. They're like, 
it's a human tendency to wait till things get bad enough to do something about it. So that's totally what happened. And then I was like, fine, take my money. <laughs> and, uh, and the funny story, the like quick version of the funny story is I had all of my backcountry gear stolen. And then the next day ended up going to jail because my roommate had weed in the car and we were in Idaho. Oh my so it was just this like <laughs> building of like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. I don't really know where I'm at. Kind of a little bit of anxiousness, a little bit of depression, a little bit of what the fuck am I supposed to do with myself? I've been doing this for four years post-college and I still don't know what I want to do. And then all of my stuff gets stolen. And it was only my stuff of this whole group of people's stuff. And then the next day, it's like, and pulled over. Oh, you don't have your ID. Let's talk about it outside of the car. We have enough probable cause to search your car. So you might as well comply. And I'm like, dumbfounded. Like, what? Wow. For what? Like, cause I don't have my ID because my wallet was stolen in my backpack. And they're like, no, because you have Colorado plates. And we assume they didn't say that, but that's totally what happened. They're like, like I have Colorado plates and stickers on my car. I'm in Idaho. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> of and, uh, so yeah, my, my roommate had weed in the car. Uh, we went to jail and the day wow. I got out from with like such a just like a what on earth is happening story. I was like, wow, this really sucks. I don't need like now I don't even I have even less of an idea of what I want to do. Um, and all this crazy shit just happened and it didn't make sense. And I think that's another thing that ends up being a, a phrase that ends up floating around the more people you meet who've gone through this like, ha, ah, like awakening. It's like, oh, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Um, which just goes to show you like, this isn't something your mind makes up. This is something like that's a truth that's always been in you. And sometimes pressure happens in order to make you make a move or to mm -hmm. turn you into a diamond or whatever metaphor you want to use. And um, so it was like the day we got out of that and I was like, all right, I've been seeing your posts. I don't even know what this is really about, but like, fine, take, I just know I need to be in this group, take my money. And that was the first time I ever did any, any kind of like self-reflection or inner work or getting really clear on like, what is it that I'm actually good at then putting words to it and um, outside of the ski world for the first time and, and getting any kind of an idea of like, I don't know. I just know that it's not this. And so getting some clarity of like, okay, if not that, then what, then what might it entail? And noticing all the ways our mind doesn't even want to get clarity because then when you get the clarity, you actually have to do something. And so we like hang out in this little spiral of, I don't know, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'm still figuring it out. Like I have said that for four years as, as this bum. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm still figuring it out. And everyone's telling you, oh, you're living to the dream. Keep living it up. And I'm like, sick. Yeah. I feel lost. Um, <laughs> and finally, like getting, like actually putting pen to paper and realizing how scary it was to get clarity, even though I said I wanted clarity for like four years. Wow. And, uh, and then it was wild. Then like for the next three months, I had like ideas pouring through me after four years of wondering what to do. I couldn't stop the ideas. It was just like, holy shit, like, and this and this and that and that. And like, I had opened up a, like a portal above my head and like the resistance was cleared at least a little bit. And even then I still wasn't thinking, oh, I want to be a mentor. Then I was like, okay, well, I want to do these like multi-sport, it was still sports, like yeah. outdoor summits. And, um, and, uh, and I always knew that 
like there's something in me that's meant to be a bridge and something in me that's meant to connect other people to each other from, from different realms and worlds of, of like, okay, the outdoor industry and entrepreneurship or spirituality and money. Um, like these, these things that don't seem related, but really they, they so are. <laughs> and, uh, so this just become like a journey of seeing how, okay, that's really some part of my encoding is that. And the more I explore it, the more obvious that that becomes. Um, so I had all these other ideas and so many things, and it was kind of like breadcrumbs like, okay, well, what if I followed this and another breadcrumb? All right. What if I followed that? And then finally landed on a podcast, which was an outdoor based podcast. Everything was still so outdoor based, (laughs) but in the process of getting the courage to decide that I had something worth saying Mm -hmm. and sharing it and shifting who I had always been and how other people had always seen me, which was this just like outdoor adventure girl and starting to actually share things with substance and, um, and that was more reflective or personal or vulnerable, um, just about growth or shifting my mindset and, and like bit by bit kind of just sharing more of what I found myself going through and like the nerves and the nervousness and the, okay, shit. Like I'm actually gonna, I had never posted a photo of myself that wasn't just covered in outdoor gear, like head to toe skiing Mm -hmm. or head to toe mountain biking or whatever it was. Like I was never, ever shared just like, cause I didn't know who I was without these sports. So learning who I was in that and sharing it at the same time was just this like, Oh my God. And then once I finally got the podcast launched and at this point I am like summer had ended still like in between the classical seasonal work of like, all right, now I have all this time freedom, but I have no money. Right. Um, so I know that. <laughs> like, yeah. Picking up odd jobs and sleeping in the back of my car to kind of be like, all right, well, I know I'm only doing this for a little while, but it was also very much out of necessity. Like I, I wouldn't, I couldn't afford rent at that point. So it was like, okay, it's cool. Cause it's cool. Cause I'm living in my car and I'm an outdoor person. And it's so earthy. Yeah. People don't like throw shade on that when yeah. you're, when you're an outdoorsy person, it's like, right. okay, yeah. Sleeping in your car. haha. But I'm like, I very much have to do this right now. I don't actually have rent money. I'm like trying to make my credit card payments um, because I had invested, I had started investing in mentorship and had no other way for money to come in. So I was like kind of flying by the seat of my pants, keeping a lot of that a secret from everybody. <laughs> Only like my closest, closest friends knew. And, um, and yeah, launched the podcast and then realized I had people asking me like, this seems so perfect for you. Like, how did you figure this out? And I'm really resonating with everything you're sharing. And I was like, Oh God, so much. I've been doing so much over the last six months. And, and, and then I started realizing that they're asking me for support in the same thing I'd already been through. And then I was like, Oh, well shit, maybe I can create like a three week course on this or something like I've done a bunch of those at this point. Like maybe I can do that. And, um, and so that's how that started. And then it turned into like, Oh shit. Well, I guess I'm mentoring now. (laughs) I love, I love it. They, the people wanted it and you're like, okay, I'll show up for the assignment, I guess. Yeah. And I want to reflect on like, my mind is going a hundred million places after that. Thank you for sharing all that with me. And I love that your rock bottom or your moment of like, I need to change was getting all of your stuff stolen and then ending up in jail. I just think that's so great because (laughs) what better place 
to, and you're like looking back, it makes so much sense. Maybe oh, yeah. it's like, oh, this is why, this is why that happened. There was, because when we go against the things that we want in life, as you know, everything is on fire. When I, yeah. right before I started my business, I was living in Vermont. I was like living in the middle of the woods. I couldn't afford to heat my house. I got a nine to five after doing like the snowboarding and the odd jobs and the entrepreneurship. I was like, I'll get a nine to five. I'll try out the stability. I had a lot of friends who are working for this big snowboard company, Burton in Vermont. And I was like, well, all my friends are doing it. I'll get a nine to five in action sports because, because it feels safe, right? It's like, you're like, okay, I'm going to make moves away, but I'm going to keep the sports so that I feel safe. That's the nervous system being like, don't go stay safe. So I did that, got the nine to five. And I love your story of like, I lost all my stuff and ended up in jail. And mine was, as soon as I did that, it was so against what I wanted. It was against everything I stood for in my life. I was marketing. I can't, like, I was marketing, like, soda products for a marketing agency company. Like, it was an action sports company. They're so great. Love the company. Uh, Absolutely incredible. It was not what I wanted to do in my life. And in that time, I got two back-to-back concussions from snowboarding like worse concussions were a thing for me too yeah the universe was like sit your ass down (laughs) (laughs) they're like stop and they were on such a small thing like the minor thing I was doing and then ended up being so bad like post-concussion syndrome like whole nine yards anxiety vertigo and I'm just trying to fight for my nine to five or like fight for my job and my body is like no. And that was sort of my breaking off point where I was like, I can't do this. I'm actually getting sick from, from not doing what I want. And that I know when you're talking about moving from the action sports and for people listening, I have a feeling a lot of people listening or some part of you is going to be like, yeah, I get that. Like maybe you've been a part of something or maybe you are a skier or a snowboarder or a skater, but in these like extreme sports communities, there is so much pride. When you're talking about the pride of living in your car, or I've seen you post about the pride of like the $2 beer, like that is so deep. It is. It's like, I can puzzle anything together and never pay full price for anything and make it work. Like we had a crew of girls that did a, like a powder highway trip to Canada. And we slept on our friends, like work housing, like kind of condo vibe employee housing. We slept on the floor in (laughs) the hallway where the light doesn't turn off. We were like sleeping under the (laughs) table in order to get some shade from the hallway light that didn't turn off just to make this like total flying by the seat of our pants, like like ski trip happened and we were so proud of ourselves and the story was great and it was like that was the silver lining we're like well the story's awesome well the story is great like it, it was all like crazy and it almost didn't work and somehow we got this for free and that didn't happen and and there, yeah there, it's like this, a badge of honor yeah it's like it's how absolute badge of honor how hard can your life be and how broke can you be while also having more fun than anyone else in the world? Yes. It's like this because there's so much pride because you're, I've seen you post about this too. It's like, or maybe not. Um, it's like my 
my office is what is this the, the phrase the stupid phrase, my, like, my my life is your vacation my life is your vacation yeah. or like office views and it's the mountain yeah. and it's so yes. epic and I got to this point where I'm like okay this is really fun but when you're not actually financially backed or if you get injured and you don't have work or when the season ends and you're have kind of nothing it's not as fun <laughs> Like it really isn't. And it takes so much courage and awareness because it is so fun. And I look back at the times when you're living in Tahoe now. I used to live in Tahoe. I used to work at Squaw. I coached snowboarding there. And like, I still think it was the most fun I ever had in my life. Like I really, like it's so fun to do that. But after a while, it's so not fulfilling. And And I remember fighting against that. Like someone, like some people had said that that had happened for them. And I was just like, nope, I'm never going to get over it. Like, I'm (laughs) like, I'm never going to get over it. That's never going to be me. I'm going to ride this as long as I can. And it was more of like a rebellion and an addiction to adrenaline. Mm -hmm. Now, like after, after getting, cause I also got some, God, yeah two or three, like two and a half concussions. Cause one was like reignited two weeks later. Cause I bumped my head again, um, on something tiny. And that was yeah. to me. I was doing like a 180. Oh, mine were at, like the free skier magazine test and the, the skis stuck in the dens release. Cause we're on demo skis and I mouse trapped to my face what? and then another, and I, this was like another pressure point of the universe being like, it was like a year later, um, exactly a year later from, that moment of like, okay, like I'll get all my stuff stolen and end up in jail. Okay, what, let's do something. <laughs> and then to have another point where the universe is like, okay, so you started doing this thing you're meant to do, but you're addicted to adrenaline and you're addicted mm-hmm. to just like getting it done. And I didn't know how to slow down and I didn't know how to just be with all of it without it feeling like I was literally on the edge of a cliff the whole time. And so smacked my face and then, gosh, like, yeah, two weeks later, went to Payne McShonkey, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, is a ski competition in honor of Shane McConkey. And you're on ski blades and you're in costume and you're going down. And um, that year, actually, that might have been one of the years I had been doing it. And I'd gotten like first in the switch slalom <laughs> on blades and uh, third and second in the Chinese downhill. And then I think it was this year where I like, I, bumped my head again and just a little one, just like it's hard. It's easy to fall with blades on. So you just did a little bump and, um, and we were on KT at squaw. So it was like, a, like, which is a really a, epic chairlift, yeah. like hard, <laughs> like relating for people who don't, who <laughs> don't know what it is like an epic challenging <laughs> terrain. <Just> like, <laughs> You're looking at it, you're like, damn, no that is a, that, that is Lifts. a steep yeah. full, it's a, it's a full free ride. Like you could have the, I'm sure they do have like free ride comps that, oh yeah. And it's Palisades now, excuse me. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, for anybody who has no idea, for anyone who has no idea what we're talking about, you can just watch like NAR on yes. YouTube. <laughs> There's a, a video called NAR and you can get an idea of what, of what's going about. on. Yeah. <laughs> Like the, so you're on KT. Yeah, yeah. So like the 10 second like history tour is Shane McConkey 
changed the face of free skiing and really reminded us that it's not supposed to be so serious. And he had this alter ego called saucer boy where he would dress up with like a ski onesie and have a climbing harness on, but have it like kitchen tools and pots and pans and um, like a spatula and a cheese grater, like attached to this climbing harness and then have a bottle of Jack Daniels and, and a, like a sledding saucer on his back with a bunch of ropes and is kind of making fun of the like hardcore mountaineering community and the hardcore racing community. And he's just like, let's have fun with this. Um, and he pushed the sport in ways that had never, ever been pushed that way. And so this is his, his celebration. Um, so sometimes his competitions on home run at Palisades and other times it's on KT. So this year it was on KT and I was like, right next to Michelle Parker. And I had gotten second and third in this event already. And I was like, I want the saucer so bad, <laughs> but it was the year, um, the last year they're having the gala. So all these pros are coming out to, in support of it. And I'm like, Oh, great. Like I haven't had to go against like people with actually really, really, really strong thighs. And I'm right next to Michelle Parker. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get this and like slid out, got back up, slid out, got back up. And she's going, way more in control but slightly slower which is why she's in control and she's also just got like thighs of steel and I just had a little doink on my head and was ended up going down I was doing a actually a detox to go get an energy certification so this is where the worlds start colliding I was about to go to Costa Rica to get a quantum healing certification Mm -hmm. so I was already doing a detox going into that and this is where you come up like it bumped heads with the culture of skiing and the party culture of skiing and the opera culture of skiing and the like getting cheap beers and having as good of time as possible. And I like recognize that, Oh, it's not really that I want the alcohol. It's that when it's free or when it's included mm. or like all of these other, like kind of college, like the joke, it's like, how do you get a college kid to go something? You have free food. Like, so that mentality is very much just, part of the outdoor world in general, like, Oh, free drinks. Oh, free food. (laughs) Like, so when it was included and I had bonked my head and I'm sitting in the slot, just, I knew I wasn't going to get a drink anyway, but I remember sitting there and started having blot, like blotty vision spots disappeared. My peripheral vision was going and I was like, great. Like I did, that wasn't even like a a concussion worthy bonk, but it was Mm -hmm. clearly. So I left and went and slept on my friend's couch and played frequencies in the background and drink a bunch of water. And I had to turn down a photo shoot with black diamond because of that. And Oh, because of the photo shoot, the, uh, because of the bigger concussion I had. And then I had a free ride comp that I had wild card into after Payne McSonkey and I had to turn that down. So wow. the universe is just like cornering me kind of and being like, are you going to choose your well being? more than your ego. Like, are you choosing your health and your well-being above your ego or is your ego going to keep pummeling your body? And I was the kind of person that would push through all of my injuries. Like I had a compression fracture in my back and I've torn both my thumb ligaments and broken this thumb and I have a plate in my arm and my whole left leg was atrophied from mess up from a gooped up ankle injury training on trampolines at Woodward. Like just this like never letting myself actually heal and figure out what it goes through like the mental and the emotional components of physically healing to let yourself physically heal in the first place. So then I was being cornered into that of like, 
will you let yourself go through this whole process and like surrender to the whole thing? And, um, and you did, (laughs) and I did. And it was just like, wow, this is amazing. Why did I resist this for a decade? Like, (laughs) but the, but it's not at first, at first it's like, I feel like I'm missing out. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone's doing the things that I wish I could do, especially with concussions, because your body's physically able, but you aren't like you aren't. This is so crazy because part (laughs) of my, when I, and I want to talk about this next, like actually making that transition. Cause I think it's so relevant, but when I thought about starting this business and I had other businesses, but they were in the off season. So I was safe. Mm -hmm. I could still snowboard. When I started this business that I have now, my inner dialogue was like, you cannot not snowboard. Like I physically didn't think I was able to not go to the mountain and to not have that free time and to not be able to actually do it. And then I got the concussion and I had, I actually went months like where I couldn't snowboard at all, like months and months. And I was like, Oh, I can, like, I cannot do anything like this is interesting. And then I started my business and then the same thing came up again with skating where a lot of my friends who I hang out with in Los Angeles or like my partner is a professional skateboarder. Like he can do it every day. I have a lot of friends who that's what they do for a living. And it Mm -hmm. came up for me again. And I'm like, I cannot block off my schedule. I have to do sports. And then my, my and then my inner (laughs) truth was like, no, you do this first and then you can still do that. And I think that's something I still come up against all the time. And as I go more and more with putting more of my heart into my business and having sports and action sports be something that I do after I'm already full, it gets easier and more clear. But I see you so often and I'm sure you see it too or have lived it. We cling to these identities Mm -hmm. And we just completely fucking deny ourselves of what we want, like completely. And I think that's what we want. Like there's like, like, I'm denying everything else, but like the identity is so caught up with like, no, it has to be this and like making ourselves wrong for other desires. Like financial stability is this funny. Why is that? like such a normal quote unquote normal desire for seemingly every other group of people in the world. And then you're in the outdoor sports world or the extreme sports world. And part of you feels like you must deny it. Like it's part of the badge of honor. It's like, no, you must renounce (laughs) any desire to be financially stable because then you're not part of the club anymore. We used to, when I worked in Tahoe or Palisades, squaw whatever when I was coaching there like we would all be drinking beers in the locker room at the end of the day like talking about how we all wanted Mondays off because that was when you went to the food bank and we would not only like all talk about it but we would go there and like relate to each other and hang out and hike out like it was a social thing like I that was a thing I did like it's like bonding and camaraderie (laughs) and it was yeah like totally part of it. And I, I guess I want to hear, because in my experience, when I made this shift and I guess a theme that's coming up too, that I'll just name is drinking and and things like that. And part of my journey, and this is just my journey was I, for other reasons, and also like kind of the whole action sports vibe, 
I actually stopped drinking. I stopped like doing any like partying stuff pretty much at all. And I still like I'll have a glass of wine here or there. If I feel like it, I'll have a drink if I feel like it, but more or less, it's not really part of my life. So when I was transitioning from actions for seasonal jobs, working construction. I used to also run a window washing company out of my van in Tahoe. I lived in my van, ran a window washing company so that when I wanted to work in Oregon and coach snowboarding, I could go. I was mobile. Like it was so deep rooted, but like I was literally homeless so that I could snowboard for a few weeks in the summer. But anyway, part of my journey was stopping drinking, stopping doing all that stuff too. And I actually, when I went through that transition or when I started transitioning into my business, I guess the concussion might've been a part of it, but I really had to recreate everything. Like everybody who I was hanging out with, spending time Mm -hmm. with, it's not that I wrote them off as friends, but I needed that year or two of I'm just going to do things for me because it was so loud that I actually needed to separate myself. And I have a lot of, this comes up a lot when I'm coaching or with clients and people are like, how do you do it? Like, how do you step into these new identities? And a huge piece for me, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong in this or how relatable it is, but a huge part for me was actually removing myself completely and surrounding myself with no one and then surrounding myself with different people for a short time period and then introducing it back. Now I'm thinking it's like the elimination diet when you (laughs) stop eating all the stuff and then you come back and see what you're allergic to. That was what I did with my life. Oh my God, that's so so spot on. Oh my God. (laughs) I have never heard that as a metaphor, but that's totally it. I did the elimination diet. That's exactly what happened. Mine was like the same, like two-ish years. And, um, and it hurt. It was like, yeah, it was, it it hurt. It was, it was really painful because there are people that you realize weren't really, they're just kind of like keeping face with the community. And you realize that like, well, I'm not, not only am I not really connecting with these people, I haven't been the whole time. And I don't know who I am when I'm not like, kind of keeping up with this group like that we're genuinely they're genuinely great people but all the conversations are surface level all of it was kind of just doing what you're supposed to do in the group and having the same conversations over and over again all of them revolved around like hey or what are you doing Friday Saturday like bars (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I remember getting messages like oh do you want to get a beer and I would check my phone I'm like it's two o'clock like, yeah. I don't want to get a beer at two o'clock. And then yeah. at that moment, I was like, okay, I have to stop. I have to stop answering these calls. And I think that's a big thing. It's like, you have to stop answering the calls to what you don't want, to do what you do want, to do what you want. And that's really fucking hard. And it's and lonely be, and it hurts. There's a zone where there's nothing and you're mm-hmm. sitting there being like, so people keep telling me that when I make space, like new people come, but- where the fuck are <laughs> where, they? <laughs> where are they? And um, yeah, I'm part of you. It's it's a weird, like for anyone going through this or like on the precipice of going through this or in the guts of it, it like, it feels like you start saying no and it just feels like no for a while. 
Like mm-hmm. it feels like, no, not this. And I still don't know what, and mm-hmm. oh, no phone call, go away. <laughs> and no, speak, answer, no. <laughs> but this is actually, okay. Speaking of this, like, this is one of these friends who's calling me right now. I was not, not going to pick up, but his name's Ben. And he's one of those friends that like, we can drive on everything, but I went like a year and a half or two years without having a friend like that. Yeah. that like got it. And, and the people think that like one of the more painful parts of the whole process is like, yeah, ch- not only are you becoming someone, a version of you that you don't know of yourself yet, who is always you. And it's always been there, but you haven't gotten to know that version of you yet is that the way people have gotten to know you and have known you also changes. So not only are you feeling confronted with yourself, you're feeling confronted with all of the other people and be like, you're changing <laughs> and you're, you're not the way that I used to know you. And it, you feel like some sense of almost an obligation to be who you were for them, but you mm-hmm. also know you can't do that anymore. Like there's part of you that's like, I can't. And part of me really wants to forget or almost pretend I don't know what I know now, but I can't pretend that I don't know what I know now about, about this. I know that this doesn't work. I'm aware of it now. I've like had some, either it's a concussion or something wakes you up to like, okay, I can't do what I've been doing. And something to my benefit is a weird Katie fun fact is I cannot burp. Um, so I was never fully in the beer train because I can't burp. Um, but it was still so part of like the going, I'd get like, a, I would just get a different drink opera yeah. or it would be at Alta, um, the ski area. There's like a Alta bombs, which yeah, is, I've had one. <laughs> yeah, which is a PBR with an, with an espresso shot in it. And you, yeah. it's like, you do like a sake bomb, but it's an espresso bomb. And that starts at 11 in the morning and it just turns into this like revolving door. And I was always, I was always on the peripheral of it because I can't drink beer. So it was really like mm. this weird saving grace that I thought was a burden. And then I'm like, no, this totally saved me. Cause I didn't fully fall like ass over tea kettle into that. But I've had friends who are like, damn, it's sometimes it comes to as simple as like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, yeah. will I even have friends anymore? Will I see anyone anymore when I stop doing this? And there is a portion where you don't where you don't see people, like you start to get like, who am I? Can I even be in my house with myself without distracting and numbing? Like that is like the concussions gave me that gift. And I'm sure it gave me that gift too of like, God bless. wow, this, like, <laughs> this sucks, but yeah. like, I don't know. And I realized all the ways I had been avoiding healing injuries my whole life. And mm-hmm. so then I think we find like substitute, like, um, band-aids for a while but they're at least slightly healthier so like I threw myself into a yoga membership because I was just like you know what I feel like I like either it's working out or it's something like I need to do something else and I had opposite work schedules with a lot of my friends in the summers and Hood River and so it was just like well shit if if nothing else like I just remember being at at home alone and like social media doesn't help with this at all because you have so much to scroll through. Um, and I remember trying to think of think of a thought and focus on something for more than 10 seconds and I couldn't do it. Wow. And I was just realized I was going crazy in my own head. I remember standing out on the balcony, like looking at this beautiful view, being like, I can't even appreciate what I have. I I can't mm-hmm. hone in on something. My mind is literally jumping to a thousand things a second. And I can't 
like the idea of meditation was painful. I actually tried some of the self guided ones and just cried. Even I couldn't even do it for three minutes. And this idea of empty your mind is actually very advanced meditation. And it's frustrating that that's the first thing people think of. I'm like, actually it's observing your thoughts and letting them be crazy and letting them be psychotic and just observing them without running away or numbing yourself. So in Hood River at Flow Yoga, there is a guided meditation after the Sunday yoga with Adi, um, who is the teacher that I love the most there. And you had to sit in the room, but it was guided. So you were given a prompt and you're in a room. So you can't just quit on yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I, that was the thing that I just like, and then you could talk about it afterwards with people. And I realized how much we try and do this kind of work in isolation. Mm-hmm. We try to do it for ourselves. We don't tell anyone we're doing it. We don't tell anyone we're listening to all these podcasts about this woo-woo shit. We don't tell anybody that we're in this process and that we're struggling or that we're like losing community or we don't know who our friends are anymore. Like no one's really sharing that stuff when they're in it. And yeah. so finding, even going to a guided meditation in person where we could talk about what came up for us afterwards and being like, Whoa, I wasn't the only one who had observations like that. Whoa. Okay, cool. And, uh, and so that's when it became really obvious. I'm like, I need to be in groups of people doing this. So I can, first of all, show myself, I'm not the only one because we can listen to podcasts or read books in isolation all we want, but having either a group to work with or a one-on-one mentor or a mastermind that was like, oh my God, look how many other people are doing this. I'm not the only one going through similar struggles. And then it stopped being about what was ending or what I was transitioning out of. And then it became exciting of like, oh, cool. Like I recognize this as part of the process. It's not because I'm broken. It's not because something's wrong. Like spiritual awakenings are tough and hard and they usually accompany other catastrophic things happening in your life. Like, like, losing a friend or a loved one or your job ending or a breakup or an injury. Like, so they're like, they're not for the faint of heart, but they also happen to almost everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and if you're paying attention, you can see it as like the, as the wake up call it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and eventually it turns into, Oh, I recognize that for the gift it was. And now I see that there's a pattern and I'm turning into the pattern and then it becomes like a game. But at first you're like, I am losing everything. <laughs> like what is happening? I'm losing everything, yeah. losing my identity. I'm losing the sense of community that I had. I'm losing, like, I don't even know what I want to do with my life, but I know it's not that. And I'm just in this void. And then it gets exciting, but you can't skip the void. I don't know how to, like what metaphor yeah. to use for that, but like the cocoon, the void, the whatever, but the you, part that sucks. Yeah. The part that sucks. Like you turn into goo. And you don't know if you're going to be reconstructed on the other side. You're just like, fuck, how long is this going to last? I don't know. So yeah, my community, it's exactly what you said. Like, I feel like I had to fully exit the outdoor world and be okay. Not being a part of it anymore. Be like fully be like, man, you know what? If I stop skiing for five years or if I stop doing this entirely or like my podcast was only outdoor sports and now it's evolving, but it was like, fuck me. I guess I'll stop my podcast. I'll stop doing this. I only went to the mountain just to do the work I was doing. I stopped free skiing. I was so fed up wow. and, and I didn't know like the groups of people. Cause I started changing how I was showing up online and it was weirding them out. And 
And so it was just like, what people- I, I have to say, like one of my biggest fears when I started and I wasn't really on social media before, I just remember being like, what are my snowboarding friends going to think? Which is like why this is so important what you're talking about, because there's that part of, you know, moving away from all this stuff, eliminating it. Really, what I'm hearing is you have to really, it's going to be uncomfortable to slow down and it is really uncomfortable, but it is so crucial to step back and understand yourself before doing the thing that you're going to do next, like before going back into what it is that you're doing or before starting your business or making your transition or like whatever it is, it's so important to really understand yourself and then go for it. And I remember being so afraid of what are like my snowboard friends going to think. And then fast forward a few years later, I don't even hardly snowboard anymore. And I love snowboarding. Like the only reason it's not part of my journey is because I ended up dating somebody who skateboards professionally and he has to be in the sun. <laughs> like that was just a fluke. Like I, I don't think leaving snowboarding has anything to do with my awakening. It was just like my trade-off. It ended up being skating, but it's so important like to find yourself, sit in that space, trust it, and also connect to people on the same path, have mentorship, put yourself into places being in isolation is a trauma response. Like we, when we are in trauma, we isolate. So yeah. even if we're just isolating, just to isolate or just to get to know ourselves, our body is going to read that as a trauma response. So it's that dance of trusting yourself to go in, actually figure out what is important. What do you want? And then I love when you're like, I got to that exciting part. Where I'm like, oh, Cool. And then you probably start to realize that the people who, right, it's like the people who are meant to be in your life, they still come with you. Some of them don't. Yeah. And that's fine. And then the ones that we're supposed to, they're still there. And the ones that come in are like 500 times deeper friendships than you ever had before yeah. in an instant. Like you meet them and you're like, damn, where have you been my whole life? We must have known each other in like a previous life or something. Cause like we just jive and like taught, like, so my friend Ben, who just called his phone call, I can't pick up. We, the first time we chatted, we were just like at a, like standing in front of a fire, just shooting the shit and then realize, okay, all of a sudden now we're talking about like sensory deprivation float tanks, <laughs> the universe and the quantum field. And, and he is a filmer for, has been a filmer for Nat Geo, like below zero and, and as okay. a snowboard film and he worked, he worked at Squaw Palisades. I'm hearing this thing and I want to yeah. like name it for people listening of, we think we make up stories of, oh, I can't do this because I'm an athlete or I was mm. on a, like I'll have clients who are like, oh, I want to do this business, but I can't because I'm like this or because I'm like that. And the in-between people who you're really going to relate to, they exist. Like they, yes. all the stories of, oh, I'm the duality that we have, or I can't do this because I'm that. There are the in-between people. Like they, like yeah. your friend Ben, it's like these people exist. You can, going back to what you said before, being all of who you are is needed. That's how you actually find the fulfilling relationships. And what I'm hearing, it's we get really addicted to these like adrenaline and also adrenaline e relationships. Like 
almost like trauma bonding or yes. immediate bonding over when you go into a dangerous place in the backcountry or when you're slamming on concrete with somebody like you relate and you, you know, you can bond pretty quick, but it's, are you willing to sit with yourself and actually do what you want, knowing that there's more of that on the other side and it is going to be so much more fulfilling and what I hear in your story and was in my story too, is it's so fun. It's so epic. And for anybody listening, who's like, I love my life. It's so great, but I don't have any money. Or I love this. I have money, but I'm not doing what I love or whatever the journey is. I think there's this theme of it's really epic. And then also so empty. Yeah. And if you're in this place of it's epic and it's empty, there's something else, like there's a voice inside of you. So I would love to just, if you want to, I want to hear like a little bit about, cause I, you, you're mentioning this type of healing. We didn't talk about it at all. Yeah. So I'd love for you just to do a little snippet of kind of the work that you do and then let anybody listening know how they can find you and how they can connect with you. Yeah. So speaking of like the elimination diet kind of thing, (laughs) like I realized once I stepped away and was like surrendered to like, okay, what would life look like if this part of me, that's the only part of me I've ever known isn't there anymore and discovered who I am outside of that. And then I realized, well, shit, everything I'm going into, which is accessing flow state, which is presence, which is like optimizing everything about ourselves to this, like, holy shit, humans are superhuman. I'm like, well, the clearly extreme sports are part of this <laughs> yeah. and like allowing that to come back in from this way more integrated, grounded, like fascinating perspective, instead of I'm distracting myself from what I haven't looked at mm-hmm. perspective. And, um, so I, what I ended up going into was several different modalities of energy healing, but alongside of that, or I should say, and it's really the like inner mastery of ourselves. And so I'm like, I guess I'm careful in how I talk about it because I know people when they, they can get really excited when you find some sort of healing that's worked for you and pour yourself into it and treat it like a dogma when it's really just supposed to be a tool. Mm -hmm. Um, So the same can happen for yoga and the same can happen for extreme sports and the same can happen for uh, jujitsu and the same can happen for anything that we think, oh, this is the thing or ayahuasca ceremonies or whatever it is. And we give power away to modalities when they're really meant to be utilized by us in our power. That um, is so important. And yeah, it's like you always, <laughs> I heard two things in that. And it's like with these healing modalities or whatever, and energy healing was like, it was like my start in my journey too, which is, I just have to relate on you with that too. Yeah. But it's like, you already have it inside of you and also the thing that you're doing that you might be latching on to because we all latch on to identities you can still be that magic and have that magic and take all the good parts of it and do something that feels better you're like I'm still relating to action sports I'm still doing them but in this way that feels better and I think as humans we're we have this tendency of oh if I don't 
if I start being like a mentor quantum healer, I I can't ever ski again. And I'm just going to be sitting in huts with candles and blankets meditating in caves and and all my I had I used to have this thought that if I made a lot of money doing what I do now that I would be boring and all my stuff would be plastic and I wouldn't have fun anymore (laughs) I was like what like it's just so not true like we really the more we connect to who we are and just kind of excavate out the parts that we do like and do what we want we're fine and we're going to be so much more fulfilled and it's so So needed because like yeah like I'm sure we can we'll probably both resonate on this is like a lot of my mentors who I adore and I've changed my life I saw maybe specks of myself in them Mm -hmm. but there wasn't someone I really was like damn like I like you would be a bestie kind of thing. It'd be like, okay, I'm interested in the feminine embodiment work and I'm interested in in upgrading my money mindset. I'm interested in the quantum healing, but none of it felt like somebody that bridged a lot of worlds and a lot of them, and maybe this is just a what happens with social media and I feel like it's remedying itself. But as humans, we see an example of something that works and we're like, cool, that's who I need to be for this to work. And mm-hmm. that happens in the, the, the business world sense of things. I'm like, can I? be this and that, like, can I, like, I have a client, I'm going to use an example, Leslie, I love you. Like she has been an event and music festival producer. And she also wants to do mindfulness and wellness and dive into this, this manifestation healing world. And she's living on a sailboat, <laughs> I love like, her. but can I do all of these things? And so, yeah, so she's producing music events from a sailboat right now, but she was in Nashville getting burnt out like crazy, trying to keep up with how everyone else has done it. And we need people who are willing to be like, yeah, I really want to do that, but not like that. Like I want to do this a different way. So if you are feeling that in your like, like percolating in yourself, like you are so needed because if I had seen someone, and this is one of those things, like if I had seen someone more like me, earlier on, I would have gone all in so much earlier. (laughs) And, and if you don't see someone like you it's because you are needed to be that for somebody else. And there are other people probably like us who didn't know we were going through this at the same time, feeling like I'm the only one. (laughs) And Oh, it turns out actually like we drive on all like the extreme sports world and this inner work world. And I wish that I had found more community like this years ago instead of feeling like I truly feel like I'm the only fucking person, because unless we are talking about it outwardly in social media, these are like the spiritual inner world, the stuff that people are not really sharing about. And so I guess I'll circle back into the kind of work I do is I help people find and feel skillful in their inner mastery, whether it's emotional Mm -hmm. intelligence or like chef's kiss level communication, because that is inner world, it, it communicating your inner world with your loved ones, your friends, your boss, your whoever, without reacting from a trigger or without needing to defend yourself. And really, especially as women, like finding that ground where I am heard, I am speaking my truth. And it's not from a place of anger or resentment either, or people pleasing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in order to be who I need to be. So I get my needs met. And uh, so that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect is how do I then apply that in business and open myself up to, first of all, what is I really want and how do I want to get there and not 
split myself into this or that thinking of I'd rather be broke and happy kind of thinking. I'm like, well, how about we be happy mm-hmm. and financially stable at the same time? <laughs> what <laughs> like, a crazy about, idea. <laughs> how about we do some both and, yeah. <laughs> and recognize that being like seen in your power and your vibrancy when a lot of us want to kind of just fit in and shrink out of safety, but we feel there's something in you whispering, like, but I know I'm meant for more. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just this, like, whether it's a loud yell or a faint whisper, it's like, but there's something else here. Like when I was ski instructing and working seasonal work, I knew there was something more for me. And I was upset that I wasn't taking, like doing something with it, but I didn't know where to start. Like that is the kind of like, either whether you're in that space or I'm in it and I want to know what the next level is, or I want to stabilize this, or I want to feel more myself in this or allow myself to be more seen because so many people are so gifted and they don't want to, they want people to know about them, but they don't, they don't want to talk about themselves. So it's like, okay, well, how do we do this in a way that feels authentic instead of like egotistical bragging? Like, how do we do this in a way where your gifts are finding the people they're meant to find without you kind of downplaying how fucking epic you are. (laughs) I love that. That is so beautiful and so beautifully articulated. I especially loved the chef's kiss style communication. (laughs) Um, So why don't you let people know where they can find you, where they can connect with you? Yeah. So I'm at um, Katie D, like the letter D Hitchcock. Uh, on Instagram. And then my podcast, I might be changing the name of, but right now it's called The Common Stitch. And it is revolving around our common connection to the outdoors. And, but almost every conversation is like subtly or overtly talking about like manifestation and, and our identity shifts and all of it. Cause that's just like, ends up being what I talk about with everybody. Um, So it's really right in alignment with like this kind of conversation. If you want more of this, like this is, that's a great place to go get more. And, um, yeah, I am on Facebook too, but I really play on Instagram the most. And yeah, my dirt goddess program is currently rolling right now. We're about halfway through and I run that about like twice a year. And I have a bunch of other ways like one-on-one mentorship and like shift in a mastery course. And I also have a podcast course and there's a whole bunch of different fun ways to play, but that's, that's the gist. And retreats are in the future. So I'm excited for that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I feel like this call is so incredible. And if anybody, I feel like the main things are like, trust the inner voice, like trust the inner voice sooner rather than later. So you don't have to be like us and have a (laughs) physical injury tell you like you actually can answer the call and show up for the assignment before something goes wrong happens and forces you to, or you end up in jail or concussion. So listen to the inner voice. And also it is so safe to be all of who you are. I think it's just such a big theme of it's safe to be all all of who you are. And the more you can, can not only connect to that and also communicate it to other people, that's when you're going to find like your people, your places, your things, and what's really ultimately the most fulfilling to you. And then where we connect and have epic conversations like this, which I never would have seen coming. So thank you so much for being on here. I had so much fun. Yes, me too. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) 
All right. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you love this episode, please share on Instagram and tag me. I can guarantee it will make my day to hear from you. If you want to stay in the loop for future episodes, make sure to subscribe. And as always, if this episode made you think of someone you love or you know someone who would benefit from listening, please send it their way. You never know how you can impact someone's life. Until next time.